This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. Welcome to Conversations with Sam Dean. I'm Sam Dean and I'm excited to have you here to explore the conversations that accountants and advisors can have with their clients to cultivate business mastery. All the notes and links for the show can be found at blueprinthq.com.au slash podcast. Let's start a conversation. Hello and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is a follow-up from the interview that I had with um, Mark Kalija last week, and I'm, again, grateful for his comments and what he told us. I think it was a very good example of where we need to focus our efforts right now in the accounting industry. I think there's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of noise out there right now. I just, if I could just go off topic just for a minute, I've just finished um, doing some fairly deep research for a keynote speech that I'm preparing around our weaknesses, our greatest strengths and where we need to go as an industry and, and, and what some of the countering, some of the predictions that are up and, you know, really drilling down into the research of, you know, the top Google art- articles of what's coming up and the domination of all the articles and the information out there that are really being driven by um, technology companies who are offering us advice on how and what and where we need to be going. And while some of the, the points are absolutely valid, I can't see any focus from us as, as practitioners on where we think it needs to go. And one thing I do find when we're working with firms is that we've been so busy, quite rightly, in the trenches, if you like, going and working in our every day. And we've got such amazing skills in this, but we haven't be able to create space in our own businesses and why it's so important and no one's really talking about the fact that one of our biggest weaknesses, which I think ultimately will be one of our strengths, is the fact that we don't have time to change. You know, we get criticised quite a lot that we have no ability to have conversation and that go, going forward, relationships and different styles of conversation need to be had and I completely agree with this, but how do we actually do this? Um, we are going to be a relationship business going forward but we are in such a great position to be there because still today unlike any other of the advice style businesses our clients still need to come in at least once a year to see us so we do actually have that trigger to have great conversations as a cohort i think we need to start actually talking about this more and getting into our own businesses rather than listening to the banter and the quick fix solutions if you like that's out there And we are taking our advice um, and a lot of the articles are written by people who are not accountants. And while a lot of them really have some great stuff to say, we're not addressing the fundamental foundational issue of our businesses and getting them set up for businesses going forward. What we do every day is extremely important. Compliance and protection is key to every business in Australia. And we can actually... You know, if we can just release ourselves from our every day, we can do that. And But how do we start there? Well, we started our own businesses and we get them running slickly. We start with the conversations around end-of-year processes, etc. And I'd like to drill down on that today a little bit more if I can. And I would like to um, now develop 
a little bit of a series off the back of the, the comments that I just made and then the takeaways from Mark to really look at how you can do this in your own businesses. So let's get back to the key takeaways um, from Mark Kalinja's interview. Last week, and I think that there were some really important topics brought up there. And given a few things that are happening in the industry right now, I've actually decided to make a, a series of it. So I'm going to drill down right now on what some of those key points are and then how they actually collect some of the observations going on in the industry right now and then work through some more practical solutions for you over the coming episodes. So my key takeaway from that was creating space within your business and stop working the cre- uh, these crazy hours. And Mark certainly did that. And it's not a quick thing too, by the way. And I think that was very clear. And I'm going to step through some of the reasons why we actually do this, but I want you to be very clear on some of the opportunities we're missing with these big hours and this sort of perpetuating whirlwind of our businesses that we're working with. And that's certainly around obviously time with your family or time to be doing stuff that you really do enjoy doing, whether that be in your business or outside it. Opportunities just to talk to your clients, even around what you do with them every day, not just um, sort of the other opportunities that might be out there as far as value adds and the opportunities also to actually grow your staff. So first I'd like to drill down on some of the reasons why this happens. And Mark colluded to, I think, one of the big ones And that's our adrenaline rush addiction, particularly leading up to the end of um, December and then obviously the May rush too. And I, for one, um, can fully understand this, have been stuck on that myself. Um, I still get some kind of stress reaction even though I haven't done tax and sort of been reliant on those deadlines for many years. We kind of train that inherently in that. But what that does is our sort of rush and spike of work, if you go and look at your workflow or your actual invoices, you will notice there's always a peak, you know, going November, December, and then there's a peak either April, May or June. And that gets in the way of everything else. It's kind of a stuck and we're we're really addicted to that rush towards the end. The other reason is, is this is just the way we're trained. We're not very good at delegating and our fundamental systems and processes aren't strong. If you read any good business book, it will very much talk around systems. I just didn't want to get clear on my definition too. So processes are the related activities or parts inside our system that work together to make it function. So if you look at a business, the system of you have specific systems around people, operations. Um, in our case, that's obviously end-of-year production fast production, perhaps, um, and then advisory people. So all your performance reviews and how you hire, your onboarding processes and everything that sits into those. Marketing, we that's a whole different thing. We don't have a lot of that, sales, our finance systems, etc. And within those are processes. So the one that we really focus on and really does clean up a lot and it's you know, really helps when we start working with firms is actually the end of year process, which obviously then results in end of year financial statements and tax returns. And this is one of our biggest, people say our biggest weaknesses because it, um, we, we spend all our time there, we get a bit stuck there, but it also can be used as our biggest strength because 85% of our income comes from here at the moment. So if we get the processes right here, we can then use the skills 
um, and the mindset that we learnt within that one to then roll out and look at all our other systems. So for me, this is a real strength of ours, even though it is perceived and right at the moment it is a weakness. So what makes a good process? First of all, it has to be clear. Everyone must know what it is. It must be consistent. So your processes, whether fabulous or not, should be followed and the steps should be done the same by everybody and they should be constantly reviewed and updated. So processes are the steps you take, not how you do them. So it's not a technology and it's not necessarily manual, but it's the steps you take. And then you can make them more efficient by turning manual processes and putting technology over the top. But until you have a fundamental understanding of what your actual processes are, technology and steps within it sometimes can actually make it more inefficient because we, the technology, some of the systems that we put in, um, technology systems actually have different steps over the top of the ones that we already have and we don't understand that. So we lose the lack of clarity and consistency there. So let's start on end of year. We've spent a lot of time really developing what we call the job workflow blueprint on this. It's a one-page visual, if you like, of all of the high-level steps in an interview process on how you actually get to the tax return and financial statements. The reason we did this is because when we started working with firms and they wanted to do some advisory or engage staff more, et cetera, we just found that everyone ran out of time. And then we, when we really got under the hood of the businesses, we found that there was, if there was processes and procedures in, they weren't being followed and they may have been implemented 10 or 15 years ago and no one knew where they were. And then we asked this fundamental question is when you start a job, what do you do? And it was basically I pick it up and then I finish it. So it's really hard to repeat that over and over again. So when you have new people starting or you want to outsource overseas or whatever that is and anyone who has done outsourcing realizes that it puts a big shining light on your processes and if there's any gaps or lack of clarity in them. Also, you have that, well, those guys don't actually produce the end of your financial statements the way that I want or the way I do it, so I just go and do it myself. All of these sort of things, if you're hearing this or feeling any of that, it means there's no clarity and definition around your actual processes for end of years. Another thing, great thing about working on the end of year processes, of course, because it is still the most significant part of our firms at the moment, when you get efficiency in here, you create a lot more space, time within your firm for everybody, not just yourself. And if you do it with your staff, you empower them to start thinking on their feet and looking at it rather than having to rely on yourself. So I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks actually working through the steps of the end of year blueprint and how we actually look at it. And then that sets up a frame and a structure for planning, resourcing, delivering and finding opportunities within any of the other products that you might work on later. The reason we always start with end of year is because we will actually know best. And then we look at some of the mindset shifts that are needed within what you do every day. And it just becomes so much easier and simply because you have to do this anyway. You need to find time within your day small amounts of time and we found it so powerful to actually work on the end of year processes and that's what Mark was talking about. Once we started getting them down pat, he was able to get more staff in, 
he was very confident that they would do it the same way because we developed processes around what he wanted. And then he was able to quite willingly trust his staff to deliver a very systemized approach to it. And then as you brought more people in, the onboarding process was super easy and it became less and less. And then when you empower your staff to actually be involved in the actual process, they take ownership of it and it, again, decreases the reliance on you. The really cool thing about this too is that as you move through this, this is a problem most of your small to medium business owners have. They are very much stuck in there every day as well and they don't have documented systems and processes within their business. And if you can start with what they do on a core basis and use the same strategies that you implemented in your firm, it's a very simple way to start being able to sit in their shoes and move on, even if it's not big programs and you're working with small small business owners, you can give them these tips and tricks because you've done them yourself. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to work through some of the steps that we talk Mark through and at a high-level form, our Renovate program, which is all about releasing um, time within your core business, getting your numbers up around that, your turnaround time to give you the foundation and mindset shift that you need to then start maybe developing other products around advisory. And by advisory, I mean anything, particularly around the compliance and traditional space. We absolutely know for sure that the actual processing of compliance will decrease. But we also know that the compliance advisory space, changing legislation and how that impacts your clients' protection around tax restructuring and tax planning will definitely increase. So if we can create some space with the compliance processes that we have going now, we can use them to get our structures so then we can move into more advisory on this stuff that we already have the skills for from a technical point of view. We can then grow our businesses and help our clients even more. But first of all, we really need to get the processes under controlling what we do. We need to kind of sneak some mindset changes into our everyday around how we plan jobs and how we get the finishing mindset, how we actually start measuring some of it. We put compensation pieces within what we do every day in our end of year processes so that we can actually then help our clients more on what it is and what we should be famous for and our compliance protection pieces. And then if you do also want to move into the more strategic work that Mark was talking about and he wasn't only talking about doing vision and future focus work for Hex clients he was talking about doing future focus work around their tax legislation requirements as well so anything that they don't already have to do we envelop those conversations into the processes around end of year but if we don't actually have processes for end of year your foundation isn't there And I can guarantee one of your biggest results on working on end-of-year processes and the mindset around them and who actually delivers them is that you will get more efficient, have better revenue and work less hours. So even it's such a great result. There's just way too much focus in our industry at the moment on what we should be doing in the future, what we should be doing, but not how we get into our businesses right now and fix it so we can be agile to actually go in and meet these challenges. And it's not about technology. It's about getting our 
how we approach our jobs and our, our processes in what we do every day, putting the mindset shifts around that, so a little bit like putting the broccoli in the meat patties, if you like, and then using that and the skills that we really develop and our muscles that we develop there to then launch into other stuff so we can actually be ready for whatever comes, that we can be the disruptors rather than being disrupted by technology. This is super important, guys, because we are getting so much false news, if you like, from the technology companies out there. They have great products. There's no question about it. But fundamentally, the problem is we're not ready. The technology makes us more efficient. But if, it aren't, if we aren't clear on the processes and what we actually want to deliver in the first place, technology only makes, whether it even be an end-of-year process or some advisory tools, it actually makes us less efficient because we don't have a clear understanding of the processes in the first place. Okay, so just to wrap that little section up, next week we're going to start the series and actually drilling down and give you some really practical implications on each of the stages of the workflow blueprint, um, which is a focus on the end-of-year job production and why it's important. And then from there, we look at how we can put some prompts and training around what we do every day so we can really develop those muscles around that asking and listening and connecting back to what we do and how we actually do this in every day, which then links into what Mark was talking about with the advisory and how listening is such a great skill. We actually work at the end of year to actually develop some of those softer skills, if you like, within what we do every day and how we can use the repeated messaging as prompts throughout the end of year cycle first. Um, and then it becomes more natural we want to do it in advisory where we have to actually start educating our clients and do follow-ups and change some of the ways we actually talk to them. So that's the, the goal over the next few weeks is to really give, give you some practical stuff on how to do that Please to understand that it's not just about documenting processes. It's the behavior and the mindset shifts that need to go actually around the processes and how you can actually use those processes to prompt more conversation and curiosity and listening with your own, your own clients just around firstly end of year and then later on growing it as well. So I look forward in taking you through a little bit of a journey there and some practical tips over the next few weeks in the series. So in the meantime, remember be brave and continue the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. To check out more information on all things Sandine and Blueprint, go to the website, blueprinthq.com.au. And remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.